0: Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests, and trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you. Knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways had the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we poversate for your growth. So thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you are already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. During our conversation, you will discover that we'll make sales make sense. And we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and life itself. So our goal will be to make it all make sense. And we do it with a very practical and easy-to-understand approach. We give you those little nuggets you get to carry with you each day. And when life throws a challenge your, your way... You'll know exactly what to do. Just reach down to your pocket and pull out that sales hindsight nugget. Now, you're going to find you like what you hear, and when you do, I want you to go to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for all the resources you'll ever need to become the best version of your own professional self. In the podcast show description, you're going to find a link to my calendar. I want you to use that link today. Set up your own free situation analysis with me. Do it today today. And do it for you. And finally, thank you for all the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a huge difference. And it allows us to continue bringing you great content and great guests. Today is very unique. Today, we're going to have a rebroadcast. I got to be the guest on a podcast called Sound Serious with my longtime friend, Drew Lifheit. Drew comes to us from Budapest. He's an international journalist. And it was a great dive into the power of professional positioning and differentiation. So enjoy as we conversate for your benefit.
1: Hello, and uh, welcome to the Curious Podcast, where we interview spectacular individuals doing amazing things in a difficult world. I'm your host, Drew Lifite, a podcast consultant and voiceover artist. And today, on this LinkedIn Live session, we'll be delving into differentiation. Uh, Patrick Kagan, he's a certified professional consultant who's the president of PK Solutions Group, a veteran-owned small business. Patrick has 30-plus years of marketing, branding, audience, expansion, personal and professional coaching, business consulting, and public motivational speaking. All of these things have forged his customer-focused approach. His consultancy, PK Solutions Group, offers sales and business consulting, operational consulting, motivational keynote speaking, compensation consulting, and one-on-one professional coaching. Patrick, an old friend, has recently published a luxurious hardcover book called Sell the Difference, which is described as, quote, a professional development resource that actually increases income exponentially. The book focuses on differentiation, which Pat contends is the number one most over-professional skill in sales and something which is a secret weapon to achieving income, profits, and customer satisfaction. Finally, full disclosure, Patrick and I went together in the 1980s. I always thought he was a fantastic person. Welcome, Pat Kagan, to the Sound Series podcast today on LinkedIn Live, and uh, thanks so much for being here. Hello, Pat.
0: Hello, Drew, and thank you for taking time from Budapest to join me here in Chicago. Uh, Sound Series is a phenomenal name because you make me sound like I'm much better and smarter than I really am. So, you you did that back in high school, so nothing has changed. And I appreciate your time, your attention, and 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 the time we get to spend talking about serious and and fun things at the same time.
1: Exactly, exactly. This is this has been a, a chance for us to rekindle uh, a friendship. Um, we have not seen each other probably whew, in a f- few decades. Um, but um, yeah, as I got to talking with Pat, I found uh, his story very compelling, and I was very excited. Um, that uh, he has published a book, which we will talk about in a second. Yes, today we're talking about differentiation. Um, I've given a taste of your career, Pat, in the intro, but um, just to get us started, could you talk a little bit about how you got started and the trajectory of your work life? How how did you get where you are today? And uh, what makes you,
0: how do you differentiate yourself? What makes you different? I mean, great questions. Um, You know, I, I started uh, like a lot of folks, just, you know, finding their way and figuring out things I didn't want to do for a living, didn't want to do. This goes back to even our high school days. I knew things I didn't enjoy. I think about the courses you take when you have a choice on electives. You don't choose certain things. So I went through that process of elimination by sorting through things I didn't enjoy. I always enjoyed working with people, uh, being a creative problem solver, looking at their situation and finding out what was unique about maybe causing um, delays in their process, problems in their systems, and coming up with solutions. At the time, when I was looking at going off to college, I came from very humble beginnings. Um, I paid away my parents' bills when I was a child growing up, and I didn't have money socked away to go to school, but I knew education was a way to differentiate myself, to become better, to, to not just repeat a cycle of, you know, a, a humble beginning or an humble life. And I wanted more. And at the time, the military, the U.S. military came out with a campaign called Be All You Can Be. And they allowed folks to join the infantry, go be a soldier, and they would pay for four years of a state-funded college. Now, their benefits now are much better than that. It was very limiting, but it was my way out. I wasn't necessarily a gung-ho soldier, but I wanted to, I wanted to find a better way. That was my path to get there. And I picked the best college of business I could find at the time that would prepare me for a life in sales. I knew I wanted to be in sales and be a problem solver. And at the time, that was Northern Illinois University. I I wasn't good enough in athletics to get an athletic scholarship. I wasn't smart enough to get a financial scholarship for my brain. Um, So, you know, the only other option then was the military. So I went to NIU. And I uh, got myself involved in the curriculum, got myself involved in the extracurriculars, took on leadership roles, met people in the business community who all said sales is the right place for you. you know, you're very creative. You're very uh, solution-oriented. So I began <laughs> in sales in the, in the early uh, or late not 80s, almost early 90s. And, and I'm one of the few people that you could say spent the last 30 years, and I spent it in several industries, Hewlett-Packard, um, NCH Corporation, Uarco Incorporated, Procter and Gamble, several unique industries. I've never not met my objective in sales. And it really mm-hmm. came down to learning the art of differentiation. And that's really, really simple to understand. It's very hard to practice and do what led me to, to writing my book. And interesting to point out, a lot of folks want to write a book. I'm, I'm pushing 60 years old and I just wrote my first book. So it took some time to lessons.
1: Hey, 60 is the new, I don't know, 45, right? Oh, I, oh God, I'd love to be 45. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you got me thinking a little bit. This is actually amazing that, uh, you knew you wanted to be in sales. Um, What were your preconceptions about it? I mean, you know, just for example, for me, um, of course, I do sales. But I think, um, you know, I I, kind of do it through the back door. I'm I'm very uh, meek about it. Um, I, Or or maybe I have this uh, sort of, um, uh, I don't know, almost like it's almost like a kryptonite for me, you know, that I I avoid dealing with the sales part. But obviously, um, I have to do some of it. Um, what about you and what intrigued you about it and why?
0: Well, I mean, it, a lot of it's innate. I, I, you know, people say, oh, he's a people person. I am. I, I definitely enjoy interaction with people. I think a lot of people have these preconceived notions when they say sales. Well, I'd never go into sales. Used car salesman. I don't want to be pushy. You know what? I don't either. Those people are assholes, right? Who wants to be an asshole? Nobody. Okay. When you put that aside and you say do you work in a position where you solve problems you use creativity you prove value every day I had I had a woman who read my book she's a lawyer and she said I I know this is a sales a sales book however I sell every day I'm selling juries I'm selling judges I used your approach and I actually got a better settlement for my client. I thought that's amazing. I talked to another gentleman looking to career change and he talked about the power of differentiation and how he wasn't differentiating in the interview process. And reading my book, thought about how do I sound different to the employer to get that offer. And then I worked with a, a company when I do my consulting and I talked about how they aren't differentiation they aren't differentiating. In the employment process, and that's part of why they suffer from the mass exodus of employees following the stay-at-home mandates with COVID, is that they're, they're the same. They offer the same thing as every other employer. And when you offer something different that's unique, people will stay. Sales, to me, offered me this unique opportunity to do what I do best. Now, I have a very small sweet spot of what I can do. I'm good at sales. I know that. I'm good at motivation, and I'm good at leadership. When I say motivation, I don't mean rah-rah. I mean I help people realize they can stretch a little further with their abilities than they thought they could. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. For me to go outside of that and try to be an accountant or a financial planner or somebody in IT, I'm just i going to fail. And a lot of folks get into sales because they say, I can't find anything else. A lot of folks like you say, well, I'm meek. I say, you have a very humble approach, but a very trusting approach. So I see sales qualities in everybody I talk to, but if they don't see themselves that way, then they're never gonna sell. And most people, most people say, I hate rejection. Well, if you think about from childhood, you've been rejected by people around you, your peers, in our day, it was the teachers. Um, You know, it could be anybody who rejects you in some form or fashion. And that wasn't fun to go through, but very mm-hmm. beneficial. You certainly learned how to bounce back, how to, how to still collaborate, how to still work with right. difficult people and get the job done. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's really what it's all about. So for me, I never thought of used car salesman or pushy because I never was that way. But mm-hmm. I also could see the reaction people had to me. And I had people through my sales career say, wow, nobody does that like you. Wow, I've never had a salesperson Mm -hmm. like you. And I started to realize I'm differentiating, but I'm doing it, I'm learning by accident, I'm bumping into things because there really isn't a training course or material on how to differentiate. People understand the concept, but nobody does it. I mean, Mm -hmm. think, for example, if it was a speed dating environment, and Drew, you're looking for the perfect match. And I sit down, to talk to you i'm going to be your perfect match and i sound like everybody else that came before me you're going to tune me out i'm gone but the minute i sound different and unique you found your match and you can build on that and then everybody that comes after me you expect you have an expectation they're going to be just like pat if they're not you stop listening that's what differentiation is and it's very hard to do because nobody trains on that
1: right it's it's interesting to think about um you know um there are any number of sort of uh, interactions and transactions uh, that we go through in life um, that are really very similar to a sales process, but um, yeah, we, we don't really process it that way perhaps. Um, right. Okay. And, and so, so you've had great success with this, but um, what would you say even for you, what what have been uh, some of your biggest challenges?
0: Well, it was hard to join the army. It was hard to go through army training. That was hard. It was. Mm-hmm. It, in the eighties, you had to compete to get a sales job. It was hard. People were getting rejected. Um, the eighties and the nineties. Um, the the biggest challenge I face, um, and people, you know, for a long time, they, they they like to put labels on things. It's human nature. We have a bias towards labeling and categorizing. And they say, "Wow, you're you know you're so confident, or you're a high achiever." Well, that can work against you, especially in economies that you have no control over a lot of things that happen. And you when you're young and you feel like you're you know 10 feet tall and bulletproof, that you just go through any obstacle. It doesn't matter. But as, as life hands you more responsibilities, being a high achiever can also make you very impatient with the process. So my whole thing, and I, and it's a work in progress, and maybe you know the last breath I take on earth, I will finally have perfected patience. But my thing is working on my own personal and professional patience, especially with those around me. It's great to be really good at something. It's hard to be patient with those around you that aren't necessarily as good. And I have some salespeople who are listening in on this call that I used to manage them. And they gave me great joy. And they didn't realize how much I've had to practice patience when they were at that beginning level and just learning. And watching them become better. So, if I was hundred percent of some task that I could show them, and I, I believe in modeling the behavior, inspect what you expect, show and 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 to, do and teach that way. If that person, when they started the day with me, was at ten percent of my ability, and by the end of the week of being together, they became fifteen or twenty percent of that. That was a celebration. And if the next time I'm with them, they maintained that twenty percent became thirty and forty. Over time, I started to see little mini achievers running around, and then they could spread the wealth as well. So my whole thing, my whole obstacle isn't necessarily an economy, a politician, an industry, as much as, again, my own internal demons. Um, You know, you you can't hard charge through everything. I mean, you can run into the brick wall all day, but it's never going to turn into a door. You know, and it Mm -hmm. takes 60 years to figure it out sometimes, Drew.
1: Right, right. Well, it's interesting what you're saying, because um, obviously I've become um, uh, as a journalist uh, with wow, well, and as a small business owner, I guess, media and communication stuff, um, I have I feel only very recently um, learned to deal with the rejection side um, and not take it to heart and be able to, you know, move on and, and OK, look, um, you know how can I springboard this and uh, use it as motivation um, for the next client I'm going to pitch to or um, pursue whatever else um, I'd like to do?
0: Well, the reality, you, you nailed it right there. Cause the reality is nobody likes rejection. It doesn't feel good. Um, and nobody goes, Oh gosh, what a great learning experience that was. Let me learn and go out and apply. No. And I tell people you absolutely should take it personally. If you don't take it personally, you didn't work hard enough on trying to get that. Now, if you stop trying to learn, shame on you. You are just defined by that lack of success. Not failure, but you were handed a lesson. You're given an opportunity. It really, in my book and and in my coaching, I have the four disciplines of differentiation. And that's the very first one that you're talking about. And it's centered on rejection. But really, and I don't like to use the word hate, but I tell people, hate your current situation so much on the inside that you're willing to do something positive about it on the outside. And I learned this, I've I had thousands of hours of interviews with uh, procurement professionals, military veterans, all sorts of things. And the most interesting uh, an, uh, story I got was in talking with some military veterans and they talked about being prisoners of war. And one perspective was I have hope. I have hope of this and there's my family, and home, and I'll do what I, I'll, I'll, I'll do the status quo in the hope that I'll get out. The other perspective was I hate this prisoner of war camp so much I'll do anything to escape. Both avenues are correct, but both are a different mindset, and both lead to different outcomes and results. Very, very interesting. And same thing with rejection, and that's that's what this is about. You need to stop losing sales. You need to stop losing customers. And you need to actually pre-plan how you're the only voice they hear. And if you're tired of your current situation, then you have to look at what you've done and say, it obviously hasn't worked the way I want. I have to do something different.
1: This is just a reminder uh, that uh, you're listening and watching the Sound Serious podcast. My name is Drew Leifite, and uh, today we're talking to Patrick Kagan. He's the author of Sell the Difference um, and Patrick's also an old friend, and it's wonderful to see him today and to talk to him. Patrick, I'm wondering if, if we could step back, uh, pull back a little bit, and um, you know, I wonder if could you characterize a salesperson? Is it a, is it a is it a different species, um, or you know, do you think all of us are salespeople?
0: I mean, I think I think when you think of the spectrum of sales, you know, um, people tend to think of the transaction. And they do tend to think of things like the car salesperson, like, let me get my manager. Uh, What will it take to have you walk out of here today? Blah, blah, blah. Um, And I always say, if price is the difference, you just haven't done your job as a salesperson. Because everybody's got a price. Even free is a price tag. So if there's no value to what you get from what you're trying to get, then give it to me for free. It's still a waste of my time as the consumer or the customer. So... I mean, I think to be a salesperson, you have to really, um, you are the human species, so you're not a different species, um, and you have to enjoy the challenge of using your mind to solve problems, and it doesn't matter what vehicle you use to solve that problem. So I mentioned I worked with Hewlett Packard. I mean, toner, it's pretty much, you know, it seems like it's toner. It's black ink. It's colored ink. What is, you know? How do you differentiate that? I work for uh, NCH Corporation. It's large industrial um, solvents and lubricants and things for large equipment. There's a lot of folks making grease out there, right? I work for a company called UARCO, Business Forms and Documents. Well, a lot of companies make business documents. And now I do consulting. You know how many consultants there are? So what do you do differently and how do you know you're doing it? And And so how you know, you're going to hear your clients saying things like, huh, never thought of it that way. Wow, I never approached it that way. Now, these are their own problems. Most people can start, start with a symptom that they call the problem. We're losing money. Our revenues are down. Is that the problem or is that the symptom? Let's look at that. Most salespeople will jump on that. Most salespeople spend time in what I call the comparability factors, and they think they're differentiating. They they go with like we've been in business twenty five years. We're locally owned. We use recycled products. We have nationwide shipping. We have worldwide shipping. Whatever. Everybody's got that. But what makes you different and unique? And and so the salespeople that are creative and can think about what what are they looking to hear from me? And I'm willing to ask the question instead of answer the question. So a, a person on the procurement side of things throws out we're losing money to the tune of $100,000 a month. We need to lower our expenses. You're hearing symptoms. If you're dumb enough to jump on that and start feeding on that, you are like everyone else. You are not meeting the expectations of the buying environment. You're letting them down. Now, they have to buy something. They have to do something. They'll do it even if it's a bad decision because they're not given any other choice until... You choose to say, let's take a step back. Let me let me take a look at what's happening. That's causing that. And Most salespeople don't do that. So that's that's what really salespeople should be doing. Most salespeople mm-hmm. understand they should be doing it. The nine out of ten of them aren't doing it. And Pat,
1: you know, obviously uh, you've racked up a, a lot of experience uh, in various companies and stuff. And and I'm just curious, uh, what was the point when um, you decided to um, write this? Um, you know, what, what, what was, was there some, maybe something specific that happened that um, made you feel, okay, this is the time I'm, I'm going to write this down for
0: other people. Yeah. You know, the, I started a long time ago, you know, like everyone else, you want to be the best at what you do. And I realized that, that uh, different being different is better than being best. And the reason is if you're different and you're unique, you're the only place folks can get what they're after for that. So that, that was resonating early on when I started hearing lots of, I never looked at it like that and I, oh, well, that makes sense. And larger and larger contracts or deals were, were coming my way. Where it really became evident to me was when I had customers trying to hire me to become part of their staff. I had one customer, she was, we were in New York City when I was in the med- my media days And she said, would you mind coming in early? I'm going to have a breakfast meeting. I want you to talk to my salespeople. I said, what should I talk to them about? She's like, anything. I just want them to be like you. Like you make this make sense. So this is advertising we're talking about. And I'm like, oh, there's something here. And I started, my motivation was wrong. So anybody looking to write a book, my motivation was absolutely wrong. This is back probably uh, right before 2000. And I was traveling a ton. My motivation was simply, if I write a book, people will buy it and I could get off the road because I'm traveling. I'm a road warrior. I'm always on the road. And I was tired of it. Well, I kept hitting writer's block. There was the, That was not focused on the end user. I, I couldn't come to a logical conclusion. It was like a how to handle rejections, how to sell. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have impact. And I wanted to be different. And those were important things to me. So I put those thoughts down. And I started back into my career and noticing more and more people were like this woman in New York who kept having me associate with their associates and speak to them. And can you just tell them how you do that, Pat? And it was really hard to put words around it. And I realized what they're asking for is how do you differentiate yourself? Why is it my customers, when I move industries, they find ways to bring me into their organization? It's because now they have this expectation that everybody... I work with should be like Pat and wherever he goes, he's going to benefit my organization. So if he's selling industrial chemicals to make our equipment run better, great. Oh no, he's now over at Hewlett Packard. He's selling, uh, you know, printers and toner. I want him in. And that's the power of networking, the power of professional positioning. And so I started, you know, keeping a list of what was I doing? I was differentiating what impact had that had on me when I began to really practice the art of differentiation, where I answer questions before they're asked and I take a solutions approach to digging into what's going on. I had better customer base. I spent more time with what I call an ideal customer. And my income was growing exponentially. And that's why I wrote the book, because I'm like, "If, if I can do this, and you look at companies nowadays, there's the idea of onboarding is almost obsolete. There is no training much less sales training much less advanced sales training so you might get training on how, what product we make as a company who our customer is how many dollars they have in annual sales that's it now go get them they drinking from the fire hose is an acceptable term that doesn't that just doesn't work for me and right. so and it doesn't work for a lot of people so what's really nice about having a book like this is you also have access to me. So when you're reading this book and you should, this book should be a book you cherish and you work with and you write things down. But it, it, when you read about all about the author, I tell you, contact me. You might have a question. Not everything. I don't charge for everything I do, but I love talking to people about the solutions that they're struggling with and having those breakthrough moments. You know, and so how many times do you have an author that can have an impact on your income, your life, your customers, and then you can actually reach out and talk to them?
1: You know, uh, uh, just from the things I've noticed on your website and um, the kind of things that you talk about, um, I'm wondering um, one sort of what would you say some of your influences are um, going into this whole thing? Um, Because you seem to kind of integrate, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of I don't know, soft skills, um, you know, things that are more about uh, people's personalities, more about the the kinds of lives. they seek to live right No, So it's, it just seems much more holistic, um, than I would expect. Right. So you would think that, uh, there's maybe, you know, Oh, there, there are sort of these sales techniques and, uh, you know, here kind of like what you're saying. So here's the handbook, Joe, um, read this, um, right. and go get them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. What, so, what, what, what is, did you, what, how did you come to this point? And, you know, maybe could you talk about maybe some, um, influences uh, that uh, you you integrated into this
0: well one of the influences i just saw a comment from one of my salespeople, john Connolly, salespeople years ago uh, and he thanked me for a walk down memory lane almost like one of our early morning meetings in the 90s which is awesome and he said he kept his his folder so we had you know we had uh, a boom box we listened to some sales tapes we we had a, a tape discussion and we wrote things down and kept it in a folder and God bless you, John. You, you kept it. So my influences were absolutely the salespeople I had around me. Um, and, you know, it, I had to do a video commercial. I'm not really good at doing video commercials. But one of the things I, I highlight, and I put it right in the very front of the book, is that you will get rich, but this is not a get-rich-quick book. This is not full of tactics or closing techniques. This is about you taking a look at the three individuals you are, the person you... Th- Think you are the person you really are, and the person they think you are. And it's about yes, you need to identify what an ideal customer looks like, but you also need to understand what a customer thinks is an ideal salesperson. So the influences I surrounded myself with, and this is a choice, were people who were ideal to things I stood for. You, You people will hear me say you you know you brand for what you stand for. I did a whole logo redesign. You see my logo. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm very much into the, the balance of life and what you mm-hmm. put out you get back and kindness really is the most important thing you can put out there and that there's plenty of room for all of us. A lot of my competitors are partners that you know I hand off business to. There's a, a woman I work with who specializes in millennial burnout. I have no problem mm-hmm. Saying I'm in over my head when it comes to that micro, you know, microscopic of a topic, but she's really, really good at it. So I surround myself with people who are like that. So I encourage people look for like-minded on principles, but don't look for like-minded if they're there just to lick the same wound you're already licking. It's okay to disagree without being disagreeable, and I look for folks who challenge my thought on what I'm going to do next to get to the outcome I desire. And I look for that because they're seeing it different than me. And, you know, the, the human race, there's so much we have in common. And we spend time having instruction on differentiation and diversity and equity and inclusion. And the more you do that, the more you realize you're not that way. You have to go to classes on that because you aren't that way. So the people who influence me the most are naturally and intrinsically kind, balanced, see the world full of abundance and have showed me how I can build abundance abundance around me. So when you get my book, don't, you know, fetch quick, don't expect closing techniques, but expect to build abundance and do it through a process and revisit it. And the more you do it, you will track greater income. You will track better customers. You will attract all those aha experiences, but you won't feel pushy and use kari, if, if you will.
1: Mm, mm, I love that sentiment. Yeah, that's that's the best. Um, you you had started talking earlier about uh, a, a, a part of your book, um, uh, the the disciplines of differentiation. And I'm I'm not either I'm maybe I didn't catch them, but I'm not sure if you named them all. Could, could you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. The four disciplines of of uh, of differentiation. So um, my first one, and again, I, I don't promote hate, uh, but I tell people, you know, hate your situation so much on the inside that you do something positive about it on the outside. So you should hate that you lose sales. You should hate that your income is unpredictable. You should hate that you really don't Spend time, you know, with your ideal customers. So if, if you think about if you spend time defining an ideal customer and then you match your top three customers to that list, you might find they don't make the cut. They spend money with you, but they're not ideal with who you spend your time with. So I say hate your pain. That's step one to the four disciplines. Step two, you know, I, I, I'll say inspect what you expect. So, if I expect greater income, I expect better customers, I expect better outcomes, I have to inspect is that happening from what I'm doing? And really, I kind of modify the words to introspect what you extrospect. So, in other words, who, you know, the three, the three salespeople, who I think I am, who I really am to the outside world, and who does the customer think I am? And it's, I, I walk through this in, in the book with, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to be able to ask a customer about what are the characteristics of a salesperson they look for. And not to do it where you say, hey, how am I, you know, how am I compared to you other salespeople? Chances are they're not going to say something offensive to you and you're going to walk away feeling really good. I, I walk you through how to avoid that, how to get to fact-based and then evaluate your own behavior. So introspect what you actros- extrospect. You have to check yourself. And then I talk about the fact that you have to act Daily. That's the fourth discipline of differentiation. And the reason I point that out is that this is not a natural, innate ability we all have. It's not something Mm -hmm. we all do. We all know about it. We all think we're doing it. I have to remind myself every day what am I doing for myself in the next five minutes? What am I doing different before I walk out this door? What am I doing Mm -hmm. different when I'm about to walk in and talk to Drew? What questions do I have prepared for him? How am I going to listen? How am I going to demonstrate? Reminders, and it's a constant. So differentiation is the most valuable thing you can do and the most under-trained or, or uh, utilized skill out there. And then the last thing, the last discipline of differentiation is to be patient. It takes practice. It isn't natural. It's like me learning how to do yoga. I started doing yoga to improve my golf game because my back hurt. I finished with a whole Mm -hmm. different understanding of the human body and the fact that you don't perfect the positions. You practice the positions. Differentiation takes practice, patience, and it's okay to say, I am taking this personally. I lost that sale because that guy gave that job to his nephew. Great. Mm -hmm. You're not calling on the right customers. What are you going to do about that? How are you going to do something different? So, Hate your current pain so much that you do something different about it. And that goes back to the whole idea of the prisoners of war. Hope will keep you in a bad situation for a long time because there's hope at the end of that line. Hating that situation might make you escape a bad situation.
1: You also, uh, you you talk about the concept of uh, personal or professional positioning. And um, I'm wondering if you could uh, define that and, you know, talk about what it means for you.
0: Personal or professional positioning, it, it, it is, it's is—it's something we all need to do, um, whether you're looking for a job, whether you're looking for a promotion, whether you're looking for a sale, um, and it comes down to, again, uh, comparability versus distinguishability. So comparability, you are you're talking about things that someone could compare them to whoever they're looking. I'm looking at Drew. He's a potential candidate for everything he's told me. Drew, what makes you unique? Well, I'm college educated. Um, I've got a master's degree in this. I've been in, I've been out in the work world for thirty years. All the, 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 I believe in recycling. I believe in in equity. I've started this fundraising group. Whatever it is, and if you were to take and put those words down on a piece of paper and then highlight any one of them that seems like they're comparable, else might say, you realize I sound like everybody else. So when you sound like everybody else, imagine being on a Zoom call. And the host puts everybody on mute. You just see a lot of action, a lot of hands moving, things happening. But there's nothing significant. But distinguishability, that's when you take a look at the whole picture and you stand out and you take yourself off mute. And I'll give you an anecdote. You'll remember this. Um, in high school, mm-hmm. In high school, when we knew each other, and I was running for the student council president. And there was a speech I gave uh, where when they introduced me, to the whole student body, and it's hard to public speak, I move the podium away, I grab the microphone, and I walk to the center of the gymnasium to give my speech. Do you remember that? Don't tell me no, because I just it said... It sounds...
1: Ba- I'll tell you what, it sounds vaguely familiar, I have to admit. I, 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 you had told me a few minutes ago, um, you know, I, I, I don't specifically remember it, but it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah,
0: that's okay. The, the, I remember that the crowd went crazy for that, and I almost forgot every word I was going to mm. say. Um, and anyway, that was important. It was significant. It was different than everybody else. And I thought that mm-hmm. how how insincere we all looked reading off of cue cards to our, our peers in high school. So that's why I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and flash forward, like I said, we're mid-50s. And I've encountered some of our high school classmates who say, oh, gosh, I remember that speech. You know, you pulled away the state the podium. You did the mic drop, which I didn't do but the story has the Mm -hmm. story has grown right so they didn't Mm -hmm. remember they didn't remember a word about what i said but they remember that i did that that was distinguishability now in in the in the military uh we had a time when we were behind enemy lines we're sleeping in kind of a tropical environment and and there was mosquitoes like crazy and they were in our tent and they were driving us crazy and if you cover up you get really hot, but you don't get bitten, but then you're sweating, and you uncover it because you can't take how hot you are, and they bite you, right. and this this loop of uncomfortability. And we're, mm-hmm. we're like, maybe we could light a heat tab, which doesn't give off light, but we're like, no, because night vision goggles, you can see that. We're going to be vulnerable to our enemy. We have to suck mm-hmm. it up. We have to deal with it. And then one person who's a private in the Army, which means they're the lowest rank. They just joined the military. They looked up. They saw a hole in the netting, and they put some duct tape over it, and the mosquitoes went away. Looking at the whole picture, where from then on we carried duct tape with us, you know, because that was the solution. Now, that's not the solution <laughs> right. to everything, but we remembered that, and and I remembered mm-hmm. that, and so then you look at business, and you translate that to you know this is a wax on wax off moment. Like you said, I guess we're all kind of in sales. Yes. Wow. We are, we just don't necessarily earn a commission, but we all sell something. We all solve something. And we all have to look at the whole picture and stop jumping on the problem that we think is in front of us, which is really a symptom of the problem. Human nature is to have a bias towards action. Let's make a list. Let's have a to-do list. Let's have a contest. Let's have a newsletter. Let's create a blog. Let's make a website. Well, all those things are probably step two, three, or four step one is to go back and say what's causing, what's causing the situation who owns that problem, who owns that pain and are we fixing it? And if we are, Mm -hmm. then we have a, then we have a a likely solution to move forward. So.
1: Right. So, um, this is just a reminder to all our viewers out there. I'm drew Lifeite, and uh, I'm speaking to Pat Kagan today of PK solutions group. He's uh, authored a, a wonderful hardcover book. Um, how long did it take you to write your book, Pat?
0: Well, when you look at uh, when I started in the 90s and then stopped, if that's when the clock started in a long time. Um, but I came across somebody in one of, uh, he, he was a guest on one of my podcasts. If you don't follow Jeff Smith, you need to follow Jeff Smith. He's in England, just one of the best people I've met at helping bring clarity to a business person's life. And Jeff... I didn't realize he was the number one most published author in the world. That was not why he was on my podcast. He was there to talk about, um, you know, process improvement, KPIs. And in the course of talking offline and then having our podcast and then talking offline again when it was over, he said, when does your book come out, Patrick? And I said, I, I, I don't have a book. And he's like, you have like three books. You just need some clarity because, you, you know, you are intermixing these topics and you need to break them into three little buckets and you have three okay. books, and I'm like, "That's very interesting." Wow. So Jeff said, "I'll work, with you and I want you to work with me on my podcast." Fair enough, I said. What do I have to lose? Right, I've already tried. I told him I've tried. You know, I've tried. I'm not sure I'm a book writer. And he's like, "You just didn't have clarity. That's why." And so working together, uh, like January or February of 2022, and my book went into circulation. Uh, my goal was October, and it went into circulation in October of 2022.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: writing the book was the easiest part once I had clarity who is the book for what will it do for them Mm -hmm. that was critical Mm -hmm. and I had I couldn't deviate from that and so when I wrote I had to make sure that that was what I was doing and so when I had proofreaders reading along the way I had them reading different chapters and and they would share one or two chapters but I wouldn't let them know that they you know that the other readers And I didn't, I wanted their help on spell check and punctuation and things like that. But I wanted them to come back and answer for me. When you read this chapter, who is this book written for? What will it do for them? And I was looking for that. And if I stayed on that track, it was, I was doing the right thing. And then finally, the final read through, when my proofreaders read it, they said, after reading this book, I'm so clear on what your next book is going to be. It was exciting because I hadn't thought about starting that next book. But working with Jeff and having clarity of vision made the rest of the process extremely easy to do. The creativity, the flow of information would come and you just can't help but write it. And writing the book is the easiest part. And it used to seem like the hardest part. But there's other things involved, especially I I self-publish. There's a lot more involved. So... Um, you know, that's that's my one recommendation, whether you're starting a business, whether you're looking for a job, whether you want to go to the C-level, whether you're going to write a book, you think you have clarity and vision, you may not. That's where it helps to find somebody like-minded in where you're trying to get, not like-minded where they lick your wounds with you and say, yeah, your boss sucks, you got to leave. Your boss may suck, but you may be part of that process that creates the suck. So. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to look for the folks that can challenge the thought, not challenge the person.
1: What about the content of your book, Pat? Now, um, you know, how long would it take someone to read it? And, and you know, are there times when, uh, you know, there are, are there assignments in it, for example, um, that, uh, you know, people have to, um, perform certain things to uh, be able to get to the other side?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It's not a workbook. Um, so that's important. Um. They can take as long or as fast as they want. So what what you, it's designed to have pause moments. There are practical applications within the book. I put together what I call the sales differentiation curve, and it's something you can use from a sales perspective, but then uniquely from the buyer's perspective. and you can see how they overlap and where you differ. Um, and so there's there's several curves like that. Um, and I, I put it together in such a way that you should stop. You should apply this to your life, your situation. And the more you do and you annotate and you work with it, the more you're benefiting. So there should be no rush to get through it. Um, you'll benefit within it. I just had somebody finish reading the book, and she said it was like saying goodbye to an old friend. Mm. That's how you should leave That's the book. book. That You should leave the book feeling that way. But I call it the most practical inspirational book you'll read this year. And the reason is practical. What I give you, it's very boots on the ground approach. It's very easy to understand. And and if you can understand it and you can remember it, you can repeat it. And if it's repeatable, then it becomes scalable. It becomes bigger, but it's inspirational, like crazy. Like people have been motivated. Motivation makes you stand up and then they gain momentum that makes you move and keep moving. And they've told me I've gotten motivated and I, I'm building momentum. And that's the feedback I'm looking for. So so the content, yeah. you can you should stop. You should work with it. You should get points where you say, I, I probably want to send an email to Pat or talk to him. I probably could use some help on this. I need an outside look at this. We're going to be having chapter chats. People are telling me this is the topic I want to weigh in or this is what I want to hear more about. And that's great. I, I, love, I love that. And, I, and we will do that. Um, but it's, it's not designed to be a workbook. It's not designed to be like practice a firm handshake and learn to ask what would it take you to walk out of here today and blah, blah, blah. If you're looking for that, I'm not your book.
1: Yeah. So if uh, people, you know, put into practice what they take away from your book, um, what, how do you see, uh, their evolution? What, what, what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, that's good. I think what's going to happen. The very first thing is, um, there's like what I call an awakening, um, you know, you think of waking up out of a coma, you know, and you, and I've had people who say, oh, I'm, I'm senior in sales. I probably couldn't use this so much. Maybe somebody in junior in sales, they haven't even bought the book and read it yet. And then the more we talk, the more they're like, all right, I'll, I'll try your book. Those are the people that are coming back chapter after chapter with feedback. And oh my God, this is, I wish I had this when I was 24, but I'm glad I have it now. So I, I think you have an awakening. Uh-huh. I think then what happens is you start to see problems that before you never saw because you looked at only the symptoms so you become someone with wider vision and what happens is that's contagious and the fulfillment side see that you see that and they see that nobody else does and they start looking at you um and you're gonna once you see that and you see what others don't see you get to life um you learn through your actions, that differentiation is what you do. You know, everything speaks. Your actions speak louder than your words. As a matter of fact, people can do things, it's called integrity. They do it when nobody's looking. That's truth. They can lie to your face with their words. So, what they do is differentiation, and you're looking for those truthful people. And that's what your customers are looking for. When they find that, Then they find that you've actually answered their questions before you've even begun the process because you have questioned, is this the problem or is this just what you see? And everybody can agree that if you can see more problems than other folks can see, you can solve that problem. And then they come to what I call the Jiminy Cricket effect. Jiminy Cricket from the story Pinocchio, the little conscience, the little voice that only spoke the truth, that asked the questions, the hard questions, right? Well, your customers have this transition and you'll see this. They'll they'll verbalize it to you. Wow, I never thought of it that way, Pat. Wow, I, this, I've never had this happen before. Wow, I wish more salespeople were like you. But they go from, I stay awake at night thinking about this problem to, wait, that's a symptom. Now, I stay awake at night thinking, why haven't we been talking to Pat all along? And others in their company say, why haven't we been doing business with this person? And when this person leaves industries... That person, that customer finds a way to bring you back in into their environment and say, wait, you are so good here. We want to have you here. So that's what someone can expect is that they're going to go through this awakening. That's a shared awakening. And then they're going to go through this aha experience together with their clients. And by the way, when they look back and compare, they will see their income growing. They'll see a a business built with ideal customers. And, and I challenge folks all the time, when you take a look at who you sell to, where you spend your time every day, how much of that time is spent with an ideal customer or prospect? Most folks, when they are asked that question, they're smart. They start to look at it and go, well, some people say 80% of the time. And then as they dig into it, they go, I'm, I'm wasting a lot of time with people who aren't ideal for me. That's a hard, So that's a process. Think of it like fixing a tennis swing or a golf swing it's not comfortable. It's very easy to go back to what you are comfortable with. But if you stay the course, your game improves in the long run. Same thing here.
1: Mm -hmm. Could you uh, describe the ideal customer a little bit?
0: Well, it's going to be unique, Drew, for everyone. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I start with a couple of things. I I start my seminars with, give me a list of your top three customers. What makes them your top three customers? And I usually get They spend this much with us. Their annual sales are this. They're this size, this many locations, this many employees, blah, blah, blah. And they have a vision of growth, you know, in in this field. So we will be selling them products forever. Okay, great. And then later at the end of the day, I talk about, you know, think about if you got to spend the first 18 years of your life learning what a good friend was. And then from 18 till the day you die, you could take what you defined as your best friends and only find those people and only spend your time with those people. What are the characteristics you look at? So I'm going to get a lot of soft issues, things like mm-hmm. um, someone who boosts my self-esteem, someone who's honest mm-hmm. in their actions and in their words, um, someone who demonstrates diversity, equity, and inclusion. They don't just talk about it. Mm-hmm. They don't just put signs up on the wall. They Through their actions, I see this. Someone who's charitable, mm-hmm. someone who values my approach to problem solving. And price doesn't become the issue. The, the savings on the solution becomes the issue. So as they're describing that, then, I, then we match it back up to their top three customers. And the yeah, the guy I deal with is a scumbag. He's a complete taker. I got to take him out to lunch. I got to buy his golf. He expects mm-hmm. gifts at the holidays. But he spends a million dollars with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now. That means he can be bought by anybody else who has a better offer mm-hmm. than you, and you're out the door. So mm-hmm. uh, so you're investing all your time. When that person goes away, because they will, what have you done to prepare yourself for the future? And if you haven't, mm-hmm. okay, it's not too late. That doesn't mean abandon your customers. You've got short-term goals. You've got shareholders. You've got quotas. You've got commissions. Keep that and begin today. It's a process that requires patience building that ideal customer. So first you have to know what they look like. Then you mm-hmm. have to know what an ideal salesperson looks like. And you have to become that because chances are you aren't. You are you're ideal to that person who wants them to, wants you to buy buy their golf and get them gifts, <laughs> but you're doing co- comparability factors. You're not differentiating. And that person probably mm-hmm. doesn't value your approach to differentiation. So it's time before you lose that business. And if you're tired of that and you want to have somebody – for 20 years, you build an annuity of customers. You have customers who stay with you forever. Then, Drew, you got yourself out of the sales job. You became a consultant to their problems. You aren't pushy. Mm-hmm. You aren't used Kari, And you are helping people, and they're rewarding you. And price is never the issue. And nobody if nobody's like you, do you think they'd ever get rid of you? There's no way.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting to me still, and I, I apologize for coming back to the soft issues, but it just, you know, so much of it sounds like, a, you know, being a function of who you are, what your values are, mm-hmm. um, what kind of vibe you're putting out to the outside world. And, um, yeah, what um, what you've yeah, what is what is good for you, what is not good for you. Um, I think um, it seems like in so many things, um, yep, yeah, people are forced um, to get they get into to those kinds of situations that uh, you were talking about. Where, um, yeah, maybe somebody spends a big amount of money. So, um, you know, we'll do anything to curry that person's favor.
0: Yeah. And there's um, been many times when I work with companies where they lo- the company loses that customer. Therefore, the salesperson quits and goes to a competitor. And their yeah. first reaction is sales are down. We lost this big customer. And they want to hit a panic button. Now, that's that's a symptom. That's not a problem. So instead of sales are down, sales have changed. Let's, let's evaluate that business we had. Many times you're losing revenue because you're doing bad things to jump through hoops to make this customer happy because of the dollar they spend on the top. But when you see all the costs that trickle through to the bottom, not that it's addition by subtraction, but it might be. And so before reacting to sales are down, how do we get that customer back? Let's go lower our prices. Price is never differentiation. Lower, anybody can lower a price. A monkey can lower a price. Look at, look at, and build a customer, build a sales force that each one of them is at a different stage of learning how to differentiate. Each one of them, it should be a regular practice to build your ideal customer base. Most companies, it's not regularly priced. They'll hear about it. They'll read an article. They might go to one seminar that has one section for 20 minutes after lunch about ideal customers. But is it your culture? And if it's not your culture, you're doomed. It's going, you're going to lose, and you won't know why.
1: Excellent. Yeah, it, it, it really rings true with um, my own personal experiences. Um, so, if I understand what you're saying, and, and I think we may have uh, talked about this in a different way, but I'm just wondering, you know, is being successful in sales? Uh, do you find that that's a function of just knowing who you are as a person?
0: I think I think being successful, in any anything you do for a living um, is be true to yourself. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, treat others the way you ought to be treated. Very simple tenets. Not, it's something that people hear go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I have to do that. Um, but if you, if you have to be reminded of it, it probably means you're not doing it. So, you know, the lawyer who has this awakening that says, I I got a better settlement for my, my, uh, client because I actively listened because of your book. Active listening has been around for a long time. People know the concept, but do they do it? And do they know how to do it? And do they know how to ask more than one follow-up question? And and, and do they know they're seeing the problem or not? So be true to yourself is 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 going to get you far in life. And, and it doesn't mean you, you wake up and say, I better quit my job because I'm not. You, know, you can stay in your job. You can have a plan. You can talk to your employer and say, I, I think I have some happiness gaps but I do like a lot that exists here. Can we develop a plan together? Now, if that's not an ideal employer, you're probably out the door. So you can apply the ideal customer concept to your employer and you can find happiness. You know, People have to go to work. People have chosen after the great resignation to not necessarily go back to work. There's also the quiet quitting going on. And again, it's because expectations aren't being met. And if you can meet somebody's expectations, they'll never leave you.
1: Right, right. Um, I'm wondering if, um, if, is there anything else you'd like people out there to know about your book? And, uh, also, could you just tell them how they can get a copy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They can go, you can see on the, on the bottom of the screen scrolling, but you can go to www.pksolutionsgroup.com. <clears throat> That's where the book is available. We've got free resources there. So my podcast, uh, called sales hindsights. we We tackle life and leadership and everything else and sales. Um, you can hire our company for consulting. We can help you in uh, per, uh, personal coaching in your professional life. We help small businesses uh, with compensation like you mentioned in Salesforce. and then something in between just the book that you can read on your own and have your own experience. But everything you need, you'll find at our website and I'm glad to I'm glad to talk to anybody about uh, this or any situation that they're faced with.
1: And Pat, uh, uh, just for some parting thoughts, um, perhaps some uh, optimism. I don't know. It, it, it's such a wild world out there. Um, so many things are changing, and so quickly. And you know, we have all kinds of dysfunction, war, economic, political upheaval, polarization. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, as a as a salesperson um, for overcoming or or at least um, uh, challenging those things.
0: Well, my number one thought when you when you put the sales perspective in there is that sales is really the only career that makes you recession-proof. You can write yourself a raise every single day. And there are a lot of people in sales. It's like getting a degree in college. The person at the top of the class and the person at the bottom of the class, their degree looks the same. But there's differentiation between the two. So the best salespeople can survive any type of economic situation. Now, in terms of the world and the politics... Um, it's clearly an unsettled world we live in, and a lot of you know what we do is, I think, we tend to look at politicians like they are the answer to questions we have. And really, politicians are just trying to get reelected. And politics has been around since the dawn of time. So I think if we look at our own corner of the world and our own space from right in front of our face out into the world every day... And we look at how do I make that space better? And every day we wake up and start over with that, that we create a ripple effect. That has power. But right now, we spend time listening to politicians who are polarizing. They're accentuating our differences, and they're, they're feeding on hatred and fear. And I think that we got to remember, they're just trying to get reelected. And they're, they're going to either get reelected or not, and they're going to show up somewhere else. But we have to live our lives every day. So I think it's important to be aware of what happens in the economy. And when we relate it to sales, sales is a place where you can protect yourself from economic ups and downs. But the reality is politicians trying to get reelected. And, you know, you're in Budapest. I'm in Chicago. And we're both feeling the ripple of the world global economy. So we have to still find a way to go on.
1: Okay. And Pat, is there anything else you'd like to say?
0: uh no i just appreciate for one thing the opportunity just to reconnect with you and 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 to meet you know your friends and your connections and i hope to connect after this with many of the folks that tuned in and and uh would like to hear you know questions to their or answers to their questions um so that's all i have to add it was, it's just been great connecting with you again uh, and i see good things coming from this
1: likewise sir um yeah. So thanks so much. Uh, our time on the sound serious podcast is coming to an end. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. And, uh, thanks to, uh, John for the quite the two comments. We really appreciate uh, you piping in there, John. Um, lovely to speak to you, Pat Kagan. Pat is the president of PK solutions, and he's an author of a great, uh, beautiful hardcover book called sell the Difference." Pat's just one of the spectacular individuals doing amazing things in a difficult world um, that I plan on continuing to interview. So stay tuned. I'm Drew Leifite and uh, you're not. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Drew. Take care. No, I guess uh, there were a few I could see that we had uh, different people on at different times.
0: What? what uh, where, you know, where, people, where were you seeing that? Were you, were you seeing there. that on uh, LinkedIn? Because I, I shut LinkedIn off.
1: Uh huh. My LinkedIn's been on, so I'm I'm probably the. All
0: right. Let me. So if I go to LinkedIn, uh, am I able to see just, were there any other, Were there any other comments oh. or no?
1: Yeah, it's difficult to tell who, who was
0: on. Yeah, um, I couldn't. Um, I'm just trying to get to LinkedIn right now. now the, the, nice, the nice... So that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world. Go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way, a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flats. Simply put, my wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.